Get ready, it's time for Motorsports Madness. Powered by the staff at Race Chaser Online. Your motorsports, your way, every day. And now, here's your host, Jacob Seelman. Howdy, y'all. And welcome to another two hours of Motorsports Conversation. Here on the Performance Motorsports Network, wherever you may happen to be listening, we are glad you're listening. My name is Jacob Seelman, Managing Editor at Race Chaser Online, and my advice to you is fasten your seatbelts, because this is going to go by in a hurry, and if you don't pay attention, you might just miss something. Seated at the round table with me as we get set to rock and roll in the Race City USA PMN studios is our ringleader and master of all things well madness related, Tom Baker, Via the Race Chaser Skype line from overseas is James Pike, who is back with us again. Hi, James. We missed you. Promise, really. But I'm not too much of a snotball that I can't come on the show tonight. Aww. So let's talk about Talladega. Yes, let's talk about Talladega. Tom, so if I'd have told you before we started that, you know, we were going to wreck a lot of things and only, I don't know, eight cars were going to be... Let me try that again. If that only eight cars were going to be competitive at the end of it, would you have believed me? Yes. <laughs> because it, it's Talladega? Because Talladega. I mean, <sighs> you know, you you just expect it to be a wreck fest. Good to be back with uh, everybody on the madness here for another uh, evening of motorsports conversation. And yeah, I mean, it was just the typical Talladega race. I had correctly predicted that because of the stages, which we've not seen in a playoff situation at Talladega previous to now, when you introduce the stages into a playoff race at Talladega and you put some folks in a position of having to really chase those points, in fact, most of the playoff contenders really wanting to chase those points, it um, just ratchets it up a little bit. And we really never did see much of a, sort of a single file train until the start of the last segment and then it wasn't for all that long it I thought it was a great race it's you just did? that <laughs> well I did I thought it was very entertaining and very competitive to watch there was racing all the way through the race it's just the end took a while but again you know when you have a big one and a couple of other crashes to go with it you know that's Talladega we've got a pack that's what happens yeah this is true so I'm going to be on the opposite side of that coin. I hated the fact that we had to have 35 minutes of red flags and it took more than an hour to run 18 well, laps. nobody liked it. Ah, uh, nobody left, though, either. Correct. That's my point. I mean, <laughs> I, I mean, could we have done without it? Well, of course. But th- what do you expect? It's Talladega. You're going to get a big crash. That kind of alludes, I guess, to what Ryan Newman said after the race in that I don't know how you make it better because this just kind of is what it is. But, James, the biggest thing about this is that we saw a storyline and a trend continue onward in the fact that not only did Ford win their seventh consecutive restrictor plate race and complete a sweep of the restrictor plate races this season, but Brad Keselowski, who... I'm getting to the point where I want to call him the best modern-era drafter we've got. Won his fifth career Talladega race, basically, as I said in my recap on Sunday, by being the last man standing. And having a bit of a golden horseshoe, too. Both he and Dale Jr. got through about three or four wrecks that I think 99% of the time would have cleaned one or both of them out of that race. But, yeah... Uh, he's pretty good. 
I'd say Stenhouse is probably just as good if he hadn't gotten caught up that wreck with about 30 to go or whatever it was. 18 to go. That was the big too. one, I think. One uh, of the big the, ones. The, big, the biggest of the big ones, yes. Yeah. But uh, g- give him time. I think he can match Kozlowski's numbers. But, yeah, those two, I think, really are kind of the class of the field. And you got some other guys that are mixed in there. I'd say I'd throw Denny Hamlin up there. Clint Boyer got put in a wreck early on, but I think he's up there. But funny how most of those guys tend to be forwards anyway. Yeah, this is true. Like we said, Fords have been the masters of the super speedways here of late, Tom. And I'm with James, and I'm with James on the terminology that he used. Wherever Brad and Dale Jr. found their golden horseshoes, I really need one because, you know, then maybe I could win $100 bucks playing the lotto or something. I mean, the fact that those two made it through all three big wrecks and they were right in the middle of all three big wrecks on Sunday was just blew my mind, frankly. Well, yeah, I mean, I didn't. It's funny because I paid more attention to Junior than I did to Brad. And then you realize later that Brad was just as lucky as Junior was in getting through there. Junior should have been in at least two of those wrecks. I guess Brad should have as well. If not, you know, all three of the ones they really missed. But at the end of the race, I think... Really, Brad had a car to win. He just needed a little help. But when when you look at the Fords and you see what they came with, I mean, were it not for the big wreck, you very well might have had eight or ten Fords all dicing for the win at the end because every single one of those guys were fast. And, you know, you look at the Stuart Haas cars alone. Kurt Busch was fast. Harvick was really the only one that didn't seem to have a lot of speed. But, of course, in that kind of a race, if you just put yourself in the right position and end up, you know, in the front, you can still contend. But, man, I mean, it was just the end of that race, given that we basically had what we know in the short track world as a heat race with about eight cars left, that was still an amazing finish. And it really took a little bit of help from Joey Logano to get Brad there and get him the win, but you know what? That's part of it, and still, Ryan Newman, a strong second. He's just one of these guys that, again, he's sneaky. He just ends up in positions to win races at times, and just often enough to keep that Caterpillar car, it seems like, in the playoffs. Absolutely correct, and I want to go back to James on this because he and I were discussing it before we came on the air tonight. Somebody explained to me how the 22 was able to work his way back into the lead pack, be at speed, and push Brad to the lead on the last lap with that hunk of junk. I don't get it. I really don't, James, because that thing shouldn't have been anywhere near the front. Shouldn't have been near the front, but when everybody else in the field decides to go full Arison Senna and decides that it's better to wreck everybody else trying to pass you for the lead (laughs) than actually race to make it to the last lap, then you can have a half-car, half-junk piece like Logano had and still make it. And, oh, by the way, he had been the defending winner of this race two years in a row, too. So uh, I'd say both of the Penske guys kind of knew what they were doing. And I'd say it wasn't all his doing, but 
I think his moves on Junior there in the final restart kept Junior from really being able to actually have a go at winning the race. Of course, his splitter was all screwed up on the yeah. right front, too, but it definitely got a little bit of help from Joey throwing a block to make sure Brad could get the win. Well, that's very, very true. And, Cisco, I was going to make that exact point that Junior still had some momentum on that last lap, and the 22 threw the biggest block, I think, of the entire day. I saw some people complaining about it after the race, but as I said to somebody this morning, it's the last lap at Talladega. At that point, A, it's every man for himself, and B, you do what you have to do. You do what you have to do, and also keep in mind, Junior had absolutely no help that entire race. Nobody worked with him. The only one who I saw maybe work with him was Brad, and then he ditched him. But he was pushing Brad, so I don't blame him. So, I mean, if you're Junior, you were already a man on your own from the beginning of the race. He had, you know, he had the Hendrick teammates with him when he had them, but by the end of the race, nobody was left. Tom? Yeah, that really was an interesting scenario for him and yet still you get the feeling that if he hadn't had the damage to the splitter he might have actually had a shot at pulling off the win which of course would have lit the tin hat conspiracy theorist world on fire and not only that they might have burned talladega to the ground partying yeah exactly they i think they about did that anyway this is true because is true. again it was still a good run for junior you know the 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 thing that really i think you could take away from this is that it was a typical talladega race and it really really big time shook up the playoffs yes it did by the way things that we're keeping track of in this first segment James being right about four times over and Cisco Scaramuza with real talk on the race chaser Skype line more importantly, Tom is very correct, Cisco, in the fact that we really took that playoff grid coming into Talladega, lit it on fire, blew it up, threw it in the shredder, and then for good measure dropped it in the ocean and just let it float away very slowly. It's a mess now going to Kansas. Ten of the 12 playoff contenders were involved in something, and... Brad won to advance, so that leaves a whole lot of mess below the cut line and at least Jamie McMurray and Ricky Stenhouse in must-win situations going into this weekend. And that was not only a good description of the playoff grid itself, but also most of the playoff cars at the end of that race because I was getting vibes of 2002 Aaron's 312 at the end of that thing because nobody was left. There was, you know, six cars maybe that were uh, competitive, but... It's a case where all these guys, this is they knew this going in, and they talked a little bit about it, the fact that um, because everybody was in an accident, everyone's basically in the same boat, and, you know, if everyone's wrecking, then everyone's kind of in, you know, in the same sort of gap. The only people who weren't were the people who made it through. So, good job, Brad Kay. Exactly, and Brad Kay in front of James really quickly, a virtual sellout crowd. I saw a few empty seats, but there weren't many. And I know in large part it was due to the fact that this was Junior's last race at Talladega. But still, that was a tremendous, tremendous group of fans. And they stayed all the way to the end. Who'd have thought that if you actually put together a relatively entertaining racing package and technical package that fans might actually go to the racetrack? That never works out in real life, ever. Well, I mean, I understand where you're going, but I think a lot of it has to do with 
the fact that A, it was a playoff race. B, it's Talladega, and that's always well attended. But C, it was Junior's last race. Everybody at this point, I think you'll see Kansas, all the tracks going forward, everybody wants to be a part of Junior's last ride. Yes, they do. And we're going to talk more about Dale Jr. and hear from him, by the way, in the next segment. We'll also hear from the race winner, Brad Keselowski, and break down where those who survived finished. That's coming up around the turn right now. You're listening to Motorsports Madness, and we're back with more in a moment here on PMN, the Performance Motorsports Network. You own a performance car and you know how to drive, but you want to learn real performance driving. Well, Bunky, get that car off the street and onto the track. Summit Point Motorsports Park, the Mid-Atlantic's premier road racing facility, located just over an hour from D.C. in nearby Summit Point, West Virginia, is the place to go. And you'll find that Friday at the track is going to give you what you need. For less than a monthly car payment, you can attend this regularly scheduled one-day instructional event in your street car on one of Summit Point's three world-class road racing circuits. You'll receive classroom instruction, skid pad instruction in their car, including front and rear skid control and four 20-minute in-your-car instructional sessions from a professional instructor. Have fun, go fast, and really learn how to drive. Call 304-725-8444 for class schedules and details. That's 304-725-8444. Friday at the track at Summit Point Motorsports Park. Green light. Hey, girl. School zone. I'm getting hungry. Car changing lanes. You want to meet me for pizza? Stop sign. Intersection clear. Yeah, street. Pizza sounds good. Ball in street? Girl in street! (gasps) It's hard to concentrate on two things at once, like texting and driving. Stop the text. Stop the wrecks. How will you stop texting and driving? Tell us at stoptextstoprex.org. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Here's an important message from Rad and this station. Hi, this is Bob Sheehan from Blues Traveler for Rad, recording artists against drunk driving. I like to party just as much as the next guy, maybe even more. But the one thing I won't do after I've had a few is get in the car and drive. Don't blow it. Always choose a designated driver. Remember, music lives and so should you. Automotive technicians and auto service trainees, how would you like to work at the beach and perform for one of the best car care centers in the nation? Lewis Meineke is now looking for skilled automotive technicians to join their award-winning team. If you're a gearhead that knows his or her stuff or a young up-and-comer that has the motivation and drive to succeed, then you need to make this call today, 302-827-2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center, located in beautiful Lewis, Delaware, offers a highly competitive compensation plan, great benefits, a flexible schedule, and did we mention that you're going to be working at the beach? Plus, there's a signing bonus for the right candidates. Technicians must be ASE certified and have a minimum of six years' experience. Beginners advance at your own pace in one of several entry-level positions. But whatever you do, don't wait. These jobs will go fast. Call Tim at 302-827-2054. That's 302-827-2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center. Rev up your career. Hi, I'm Matt Tift, and you're listening to Race Talk on the Performance Motorsports Network. And Matt Tift and the stars of the NASCAR Xfinity Series are going to be back in action this weekend 
when they get back to racing at Kansas Speedway. The Xfinity Series was off this weekend at Talladega, which I'm sure a lot of drivers were very happy about. But we want to continue talking about Talladega right now on Motorsports Madness. Jacob Seelman, Tom Baker, James Pike, Cisco Scaramuza around the round table and... Let's talk about a race winner, Cisco, shall we? And the fact that Brad Keselowski, I mentioned it during the opening segment, but I think it deserves re-mentioning that not only was this Brad's fifth Talladega win, but he did it in a very, very special paint scheme, basically redesigned the Miller Lite car to replicate the Navy machine that he drove while he was driving in the Xfinity Series for Dale Jr., had cheers to Dale Jr. on the back of the car, and you could tell after the race that was something that Jr. really, really appreciated when he was talking about it. Oh, absolutely, but I also think if you're Jr. and you're coming to the last restart, seeing cheers for Dale in front of you and not behind you is probably not the greatest thing in the world. So, you know, you know Jr. wanted to go out there and win that race. He said as much Saturday, but, you know, it's still awesome to see Brad go out and, uh, help out one of the guys who you know got him to the spot he was in and you know it junior was a massive part in helping Kozlowski get to the level he's on Tom yeah I would agree with all of that I mean obviously if junior would have had no damage to the splitter and could have done what I think he wanted to do and stayed with Brad he probably would have tried to push him out of the way coming to the line or at least just drive underneath him but that was a nice gesture, and regardless of what anyone thinks of Brad as a person or a racer, and there are a lot of people who are not big fans, I mean, I think Brad is developed into one of the drivers on the cup circuit who, to me, is one of the preeminent voices, if you will, in the pits. I think he's had a lot to say one way or another, and sometimes... I think he says things for a purpose, in other words, to stir up some some uh, controversy or, you know, tweak others' minds. But for the most part, I think Brad is, to me, just a, a real classy, developed into a real classy racer like that. And he really acknowledges drivers like Junior and the people that have helped him get up through the ranks. So that was pretty cool and, you know, obviously good that uh, Jake, that he was able to win that race and complete that tribute. Yes, it was indeed. I think it was cool that they lined up together on the last restart, even though Junior wasn't quite able to stay with the two. And there were a lot of people after this race that started to raise the mantra of, well, Junior's retiring and he's the best drafter there is right now. But I think the guy that he brought into the national levels and really gave his shot is quickly going to become known as the best drafter in the field in Brad Keselowski. He talked a little bit about that after the race, but what he also talked about was a lot of what it took to win with so few cars left in the media center, and we'll go to some of that sound right now and hear from race-winning driver Brad Keselowski. We are now joined by the race-winning driver of the 49th annual Alabama 500, and that is Brad Keselowski, driver of the number two Miller Lite Ford for Team Penske. This was 
his fifth victory in 18 races at Talladega Super Speedway. That's a pretty good ratio for Super Speedway racing and for any racetrack in general. Walk us through how you were able to get it done today, please. Yeah, it's, uh, of course, a, a special day. Any day you can win, but uh, to win at Talladega and, and for the fifth time is, um, you know, something I was never sure I'd ever have the opportunity to do. You know, just winning here once felt pretty incredible, and it's hard to believe that was, you know, eight-some years ago. And um, to win here uh, again, it, it, it still feels pretty darn good. It doesn't feel much different. I'm a little older now, and uh, – but, uh, you, you know, you never know when your first win or last win could be. And, you know, and I want to, of course, soak this one up and, and be thankful for it. And, of course, there's a lot of carnage and, and other things that we were able to survive that uh, give me good reason to be thankful for as well. But, uh, you know, I think we made it through three big wrecks. The races uh, here today in the spring and, and both Daytonas, we got caught up in all the big ones. This one, we made it through all the big ones. And, um, you know, I thought we were probably pretty strong in those other races and it just – uh, didn't have the luck today. We had the the luck uh, that we needed, and uh, then we were able to execute at the end with uh, the moves on the last two or three laps. Uh, so, uh, just really, really special win uh, to be able to put it all together at the end. Paul was in here earlier, and I asked him. I I pointed out that your first Cup victory came at Talladega in 2014. You came here in a must-win situation. He told you at Charlotte that you had to come here and win. <laughs> yeah. So when you are in these positions, what is it that makes you able to step up and rise to the occasion and deliver in big instances? You love to be able to pat yourself on the back and say it, it's all skill, but there is some luck that's involved in this. You know, in 2014, we were in one of the big wrecks, and it just hit us in an area that didn't damage the car to affect its performance. Very similar here today uh, where we, we made it through the wrecks. But I feel like what's critical to, to be successful here, uh, whether it's a cutoff race or must win or a not must win, is you know, you know when you come here that probably three out of every four races, you're, you're going to get caught up in a wreck or something like that happens. But the races where, you know, you, you have the good fortune, where – you don't get caught up in a wreck or you don't have something break or, or any of those things. You have to take those races, run up front, and win them. And I think that's what we've been able to do. Um, so, you know, we wrecked out of the last three plate races, which really stunk because we had great cars at those. And, and I thought we made great moves and led a lot of laps. So coming here, it's kind of felt like, you know, uh, a hand of cards where you're like, well, I can't keep getting the bad cards. So I'm going to get some good cards. Uh, and when you get them, you better make a good play with them. And, and I think we probably felt that coming into today. And being able to, to put that all together, Jenna, I would say, um, you know, you have to take the races where you don't have bad luck and, and win at them. And, and that's what we've been able to do. And today was one of those days for us. Jenna Fryer with the follow-up there. And I do want to make a really quick aside that it is great to have heard Matt Humphrey, Tom, back at the racetrack this weekend. I know he's been away dealing with uh, some family stuff, but Matt, always a big supporter of us, of this show. Uh, so really good to have him back. And listening to Brad there, you just hear the appreciation that he has for Talladega and how tough it really is to go to victory lane there. Yeah, no question. It uh, it was good to have Matt back. And, yeah, I think that, you know, again, in this scenario, it's it's a 52-car it's a pickup is what it is. Uh -huh. I mean, that's basically – and you're lucky if you end up getting through the way Brad did, the way Junior did, the way some of the other guys did. I mean, 
you know, Trevor Bain ends up third. With a wrecked car. With a wrecked car. Greg Galding survives through everything to get in eighth place. That's, a, I think, a career best for him. Yes. You know, you always have that sort of flavor going on at Talladega. It's just a question of who the luck bites and who it doesn't. And, you know, Martin Truex came into this race with nothing to lose. And unfortunately, he lost a race car and uh, pulled the trigger on the big one in, in the... Uh, in the process and that's unusual for martin but again it's plate racing it's pack racing you see a hole you reach for a hole and by the time you get there the hole's not there anymore right just how it happens that's exactly how it happens and i'm gonna check here in a second i believe somebody snuck by gray galding and knocked gray to ninth right there at the stripe to finish but it was was, top 10 yes definitely in the top 10 his first ever top 10 and on the flip side, just ahead of that battle, Cisco, the emotion, obviously, of Dale Jr., he referenced that he was sure that the fans probably felt a little wind pulled out of the sails for finishing seventh after having a shot to win on the final restart. But you'll hear it in a minute when we go back to the Media Center audio that he was just happy to have survived. He made it through three different wrecks. And three different wrecks, one of them nearly got him. The second one he got... There was another one where he had to back out of the throttle but made it through, and the third one he nearly got in that one again. So, I mean, they said that they felt like there was a bubble around his car, and I have to agree because the timing was amazing. I mean, you know, this is it, it looked like a video game how close it was, but he made it through. He did. Dale Earnhardt Jr. was living a charmed life yeah. all day on Sunday. Well, and so was Brad, obviously, yeah. and others, but, you know— Those two guys, I think, ended up being so big of a part of the fabric of the race just because of the fact they missed all the wrecks. Ended up both with a shot to win and, of course, Brad with the quasi-junior tribute scheme. You know, that all kind of tied in together. It did, and we're going to go back to the post-race media conferences and hear from Appreciation driver Dale Earnhardt Jr. Hey, you know what? I spent all weekend learning how to say that right. Don't laugh at me, Tom. Anyway, don't listen to me anymore. <laughs> Dale Jr. Dale, not the result you wanted on your final trip around Talladega, but maybe one of your more adventurous runs around Talladega Super Speedway. Please walk us through the race from your perspective. All right. Yeah, we ran. Uh, we took off there at the start of the race and, and saw the car had pretty good speed. Uh, we got a speed penalty and a couple of things lost us a lot of track position. Uh, we were able to get up back through there and get it back and get up into the top three again, top two, sitting there chasing Blaney and, and Chase. There was, that was fun, running around the top with those guys because they're the future of the sport. So it's fun to, to link up and have some fun with those guys. And then, you know, just got lucky on those wrecks. Just, you know, things start flying around. You just, I don't know, you just get, ain't nothing I'm doing. I'm just not getting hit, you know, and not not losing control of my car. Just really luck. But uh, the last one knocked the right front end real bad and bit the splitter down about an inch and a half and knocked it on the racetrack. And when when we got going there on that last restart, it just wouldn't go in the corners especially. So everybody around us was just wasting their time pushing us and they sort of figured that out after a lap or two and decided to leave us leave us alone and we just kind of hung on there to to get a seventh but i thought the car had enough to win before we bent the splitter down and it was you know it was a great car all weekend this has been a hell of a weekend for me and i'm glad to be able to finish and finish well 
that means a lot to me. I know a lot of folks came and traveled here to see us run. So I know they're disappointed we didn't win, but I'm glad they got to see us run the whole, whole event. And hopefully they enjoyed it. Dale Jeff Gluck from JeffGluck.com. I know that wrecks can happen anywhere, but this was probably the biggest threat to your health remaining on the schedule. After walking out of here with your health intact, is there any sense of relief? Absolutely. Um, had some trouble here in the past. I think that anyone who questions our desire to be here and compete this year and our desire to run hard and race uh, can look at the uh, risks that we took this afternoon, um, knowing that any of those crashes would have probably given me a, a bit of an injury that would have held me out of the rest of the season. So we definitely, it's hypothetical, but it just, I think it says a lot about, you know, out, being out there and competing, wanting to compete, showing that we want to compete and working hard, racing hard. So this was one that I was worried about, you know, that in the back of my mind I was a little concerned. But you can't win the race if you race scared. And I've raced scared here before. And uh, you don't do well when that happens. So you have to block it out and just go out there and take the risks and hope that it's just not your day to get in one of those accidents. And it wasn't. So I wish we could have uh, seen what we could have done with a straight, straight car at the end. But we tried to push Brad into the lead, but the splitters on the ground so bad we got disconnected, and the 31 11 went right around us, and it was it was downhill from there. But yeah, I was I was worried about this one, and you know I'm glad we got through it. Dale, you had a lot of time in the car there the last few laps to sit. Did you let the moment wash over you, the enormity of it, or did hey, you stay focused? It's 110 degrees in there, ain't nothing washing over you, but you don't sweat. <laughs> I was sitting there cussing NASCAR the whole time, if you want to be honest with me. <laughs> like, why are we sitting here? It's going to be like a three-lap race to the finish. Why can't we at least coast around and get a green-white checkered out of it? But um, I know that there's reasons to be sitting there, but it just um, it, it's not the most comfortable situation. You said that you were glad just to finish, but you knew your fans are disappointed. Are, are you? Do you feel any disappointment, and what do you feel about your chances to win in what's now kind of your last five races? Well... You know, I, I think we go to the racetrack with a positive attitude. We know we have one at some of these tracks coming up, and you just go in there with that good attitude and see how the weekend works out for you. And that, you know, I don't, I don't think that we've lost hope on winning a race by any means. Uh, with the rest of the year, we can't. I wouldn't want a driver who felt that way, and I wouldn't want a, a team that felt that way either. So we'll go in there with solid attitude and see how it works out for us. I'm always disappointed when we don't run well. At tracks, I know we should. We did run well today, but I know that everybody was probably is a little bit of air out of the bag there at the end there for you know to finish seventh. I know those folks were hoping we could put something together, and there's I know there's a lot of folks came here particularly to see this race because it's the last one here. So I hate them to leave slightly disappointed, but hopefully they enjoyed everything else they saw. I mean, we ran as hard as we could, did the best we could. And sometimes at Talladega, that's really all you can ask. Just do the best you can and. The rest of the chips will fall where they may. Yep. Again, Dale Earnhardt Jr., seventh. His best restrictor plate finish of the season after being crashed out of all the others. So there is something to be said for that. And the Appreciation Tour continues this weekend at Kansas, which, again, we'll talk about coming up in a little bit. We're going to talk trucks when we come back out of our next break because, well, there was kind of a bit of an upset on Saturday, I'd say. I'd classify NBC's Parker Kligerman winning as a bit of an upset. So we'll hear from a very happy winner and a little bit more from the Henderson Motorsports camp 
right after this. You're listening to Motorsports Madness here on the Performance Motorsports Network, the voice of motorsports. Do you love the sound of high-revving motors and the smell of burning rubber? Do you want to get your car sideways right at the ragged edge of control? If you've always wanted to try drifting or learn to improve your drifting skills, Summit Point Motorsports Park, the Mid-Atlantic's premier motorsports facility, has the expert instructors and the specialized track to teach you how to drift and the skills necessary to drift competitively. From skid pad to open sessions, Summit Point Motorsports Park has the safe and open environment that allows drifters of all skills levels new to intermediate to get sideways and smoking with a focus on safety and the skill set necessary to drift competitively summit point motorsports parks drift nirvana is just the thing for you call for your reservation today 304-725-8444 or for more information go online summitpoint-raceway.com or you can email them at office at bsrinc.com drift nirvana getting you sideways the right way HMS Motorsport is the leader in motorsport safety. HMS serves the majority of Monster Energy NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Camping World truck teams, many IndyCar and IMSA WeatherTech teams, as well as countless SCCA and club-level racers and driving enthusiasts throughout North America, featuring world-renowned brands like Stilo Helmets, Schroep Belts, Adidas Suits and Shoes, HJC Helmets, Orca Driver Gear, Lifeline Fire Systems, and even Racecom Radio Kits. HMS representatives are experts in their field and focused on only one thing, making your track driving as safe as possible. With locations in Mooresville, North Carolina and Danvers, Massachusetts, the staff at HMS is always ready to take the time and help you find the right product for your safety needs. Don't settle for a second when it comes to motorsport safety. Stop in HMS Motorsport. Visit them on their website at hmsmotorsport.com or send them a message on Facebook and tell them the folks from PMN Radio set ya. What an awesome game. What's up with your car? I don't know. It won't start. How are we getting home? Chill. My parents signed me up for the roadside assistance from Lewis Meineke. It was free with my oil change. They'll come and get the car started or get us home and tow the car to the shop. Good to know. With my driving, my parents never know what to expect. When you join the Meineke Car Care Club with a $35 preferred service, you get four free months of roadside assistance, including tire change, battery jump, lockout service, towing, and more. Contact Lewis Meineke, located on Route 1, or call 827-2054. When do you think of a plumber? Like most people, even if it's an emergency, you can be confident about who will arrive to help you. For quality and reliability, count on someone you can trust. Call on the plumbing services of Hague Quality Water of Maryland. Plumbing doesn't have to be an emergency. We handle all kinds of preventative maintenance, too. Hague Quality Water of Maryland is family-owned here in Annapolis since 1993. For a refreshing choice, call us at 888-84-WATER or visit us online. COPD, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, is a lung disease that robs people of their ability to breathe. As many as 24 million Americans suffer from COPD, also known as chronic bronchitis or emphysema, and half of them don't know they have the disease. If you or someone you love is over 35 and has smoked more than 100 cigarettes in their lifetime, visit driveforcopd.org and take the screener, then take that to your doctor. I'm Jeff Stoltz, and I drive for COPD. Hi, I'm Todd Gilliland, driver of the number 16 Napa Auto Parts Toyota Camry, and you're listening to Motorsports Madness on PMN, the Performance Motorsports Network. Young talent. That seems to be a recurring theme here of late in not just NASCAR, but racing in general. Welcome back to Motorsports Madness. Jacob Seelman, Tom Baker, 
James Pike, Cisco Scaramuza with you here on the Performance Motorsports Network. And young talent, Tom, is the theme of this segment. Why? Because, well, Parker Kligerman may not be the youngest of the young, but he's certainly younger than a lot of the veterans. And not only did he win at Talladega Saturday in the Truck Series, but little Henderson Motorsports finally wins a truck race. I mean, this just... It made me grin for about three hours after the race because I love underdog stories, and this was one of the greatest ones I've seen in a while. Well, yeah, I mean, who doesn't? And that's really what Talladega is about. Over the years, you've had numerous first-time winners or winners that don't win very much elsewhere. I mean, you know, I think Lenny Pond got a win at Talladega one time. I remember years ago, and Ronnie you, Bouchard. You've had yeah, Ron Bouchard, that amazing three wide last lap pass. I think it was Walter Bonnie. Yeah. You know, you've had several guys over the years get their first wins at Talladega. I mean, you, you, yeah, David Reagan get front row. Their first win as a team at Talladega, I believe. Yep, and now Parker's got two wins at Talladega. And Parker wins his second, but the team, obviously, their first. And again, you said it, underdog team, part-time team. Chris Carrier, to me, one of the most underrated and probably underappreciated crew chiefs in the sport. The sponsor... Gosh, they've been around forever since I was young. They were in the sport. Yes, Food Country USA for those yeah, who were wondering. Um, I mean, the, again, the team has had a long history. It's great. I just think it's great to see Parker and that team get a win, and especially something in a situation like that where he didn't walk into it. He drove into it. He was one of the most aggressive drivers through that whole race, and he really earned everything he got. And a couple of times we thought he might cross a line, but he yeah. didn't. No, he didn't, and it ultimately paid big dividends. And we talk all the time about drivers and personalities, and let me tell you what, Parker Kligerman is a personality if I've ever seen one. I'll go around the table to James and Cisco, but I want to hear from Mr. Personality first because, yes, this was a post-race press conference that you didn't want to miss. And guess what? You don't have to because I'm going to press this button right now, and we're going to hear from Parker. Love you guys. Okay, we are going to go ahead and roll into our race-winning press conference here. Unconventional. For the 12th annual Fred's 250 here at Talladega Super Speedway. And we are joined by our race winner, Parker Kligerman, who is the driver of the number 75 Food Country USA Lopez Wealth Management Toyota. Uh, we've got uh, Joe Henderson. Uh, nope, Don. Don. Don Henderson and crew chief Chris Carrier. Gentlemen, congratulations. Parker, this is your second win here at Talladega Super Speedway and a wild one out here today. Please walk us through those final few laps. Yeah, it's just a heck of a show, and hopefully the fans enjoyed it. But, you know, the thing was, it's just the way the draft is working and some of the maybe the changes that were made. I'm not putting them down, but it made the trucks really loose that you could move guys out of the way yourself. And so that caused, I think, a lot of the passing you saw. And every move I made was just one of those one in a million chances that was going to work out, and it did. And I think that's how you, you know you have to win some of these races when they get crazy like that. It just has to fall your way. Um, but we did that. But, you know, it starts with having a fast truck, right? So here goes the NASCAR driver rap sheet, right? Chris Carrier making a very fast truck. Having a great owner like Don Henderson, Charles Henderson, and uh, the Henderson family and Food Country USA on here. It's uh, it's an honor to be racing this team because they're one of the oldest teams in NASCAR. Um, but to win with them is just unbelievable. 
Chris, could you please walk us through how nervous you were there during that overtime? Uh, actually, I was unconscious. <laughs> no. Uh, Sounds I, right. um, I thought you were unconscious the whole time. Well, it could have been part of it. But, um, you know, I just somewhere in there when about the time that he went by, I believe it was Grand Finger and had to go basically on the apron. I knew I saw it on the big screen TV coming, and I, knew, I said, he's not backing off. I know this kid better than that, and he made it. And I said, okay. Something down deep told me, I said, we're going to win this race. I just know it, this is our day. And um, they're on the backstretch the last lap when we got the push on the outside, and then the guys on the inside got to racing each other side by side. I said, okay, pal. It, it, this is it. So I'm, first of all, very, very thankful, you know, obviously. Uh, this guy next to me is, is uh, man, he's the real deal, I'm telling you. Uh, I've known him eight or nine years now. I got had the pleasure of knowing him when kind of started stock car racing. We had some time together, and I've, I've known for the last four or five years, I said, there's a guy out there that is needs an opportunity to win races. And... I'm just very thankful for this time, this today, this 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 opportunity to be a part of giving him that that chance, and he capitalized mm-hmm. on it. We've been close a few times this year, but we are a a team building in process. Uh, the Henderson family and and people that support us and they know who they are do a great job giving us the tools to do what we love to do. You know, mm-hmm. that's definitely. I think it's something that's a discussion in this series, especially. You know, smaller teams being able to succeed, and we're a great example of if you you know focus on the right things and have the right people, even a small team can win at this level. We love you too, Parker. <laughs> Unconventional. Yeah. Today's word of the day. Unconventional. Parker Kligerman is absolutely James unconventional, but you know what? I think that's what makes him so endearing, and I loved every minute of this back to when he planted the flag five years ago. This is just a feel-good story, and Parker's a feel-good kind of guy. Is this the part where I get to say, one for the iRacing crowd before Cisco gets to do it, because I know he'd say it anyway? (laughs) Yes. Cisco's cussing Uh, you silently. The, the the silent cussing tells me everything that I need to know clearly. But yeah, Parker's very, very talented in a lot of ways. And I think that might be part of the reason why he works so well, both on television and behind the wheel. Not too many guys can do all of that. He can do all of that and race in a sim too. Pretty impressive. Well, you know what, Jacob, the thing that I think about with Parker, James is right we've seen a lot of drivers go to the booth or do commentary or whatever, and, and, and it's fine. But Parker has this passion and still very almost youthful passion. And again, he's not really all that old. I was going to say, he's only like 25. Yeah, but I just think he's got a very unique combination of all of those things. I think he's one of the most talented racers to not be running anything full-time that's out there right now. And I would certainly hope, I know it's Talladega, but it doesn't matter. He earned that with his driving and showed his skill, and I would like to see somebody give him an elite full-time opportunity. The problem is there aren't many of those left in any of the divisions, really, at least right now. That's correct. Any of the National Series. I want to continue this when we come back, but let's go ahead and slide in a break here. We'll continue our NASCAR discussion and start looking ahead towards Kansas on the other side of this. You're listening to Motorsports Madness here on the Performance Motorsports Network. 
Okay, so, Sarah, I'm dropping you off at Emily's? Yep. And Josh, you're going to? Soccer, Dad. Soccer practice. Right. Oh, by the way, I just wanted to let you know when I pick you both up, I'll be wearing my short shorts. What? No! Yep, and my dorky dad hat, and I'm going to do my dad dance for all your friends. They'll love it! Seriously? Why? Because I like my short shorts. Of course, I could be talked out of it if you guys would just buckle up your seatbelts without giving me a hard time. It's important to get your kids to buckle up for safety, no matter what it takes. And sometimes, all it takes is your parental powers of persuasion. Okay, okay, we're buckling up. See, all buckled. Good choice. I'll just have to do my dad dance at dinner time. What, what? No! Do what you have to to make sure your kids are wearing their seatbelts, even on short drives. Never give up until they buckle up. A message from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Visit safercar.gov slash kidsbuckleup for more information. Parents, your son or daughter has had their license for a while now, but you want to make sure they're prepared for any situation they may face on the road. High school driver's ed doesn't teach them to drive defensively. They need to be prepared for any highway emergency. For less than a month's insurance, and a whole lot less, BSR instructors at Summit Point Motorsports Park in nearby Summit Point, West Virginia, will teach your son or daughter how to respond instantly and positively to unexpected situations on the road. BSR's specialized accident avoidance training teaches swerve to avoid maneuvers at highway speed, ocular driving, which focuses driving attention on ways to avoid accidents, vehicle dynamics and feedback, skid control and skid recovery, threshold braking on straights and progressive braking on curves, and off-road recovery techniques. This is stuff driver's ed simply doesn't teach. So call BSR today, 304-725-8444. Give your kid the skill set needed to drive safely and responsibly on the highway. That's 304-725-8444. This is a test to find out if you know it all when it comes to children. Name one of the leading killers of U.S. children age 1 to 13. What's the best way to protect children in a car crash? At what age and size should a child start using a booster seat? Don't assume you know it all when it comes to car seats for your child. Go to safercar.gov slash the right seat and know for sure. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Hi, I'm Noah Gregson, and you're listening to Motorsports Madness on PMN, the Performance Motorsports Network. Well, hi, Noah Gregson, and for all of you out there who may be listening, welcome back to Motorsports Madness here on the Performance Motorsports Network. Jacob Seelman, Tom Baker, Cisco Scaramuza, and James Pike, and as we referenced before the break, Cisco's been fuming for the last three and a half minutes, so I want to let him get in a minute to talk about his iRacing compatriot. There's my word of the day, Cisco, but how about Parker? No, and it's awesome to see and what Parker's been able to do. And you guys forgot to mention one thing. Parker can write really well, too. He's done some fantastic articles for NBC Sports online that you can go read. He talked about kind of the where he sees the sport, where he wants to see the sport. And it, Parker has just been able to go out there and be an ambassador, not only for us, you know, for the sim side of things, but just in general, he's just an awesome you know driver analyst to come in and i agree with tom though i think and they talked a little bit about it on on saturday that he wants to be in the race car if he can but he can do everything else as well 
Yes, he can. I mean, his insight, I think, has been one of the most refreshing things to yeah. me for the NBC Sports Media package because, Tom, like you said, Parker just has a very unique perspective, and it works. But I don't want to take away anything either from – uh, what you mentioned a minute ago, Chris Carrier, Henderson Motorsports. Charlie Henderson was going nuts in victory lane, and I've known Charlie back to when my grandparents were running in what was then the Bush series, and Charlie and Butch Miller, who left us and went to the food country car, and they won a few races. This was just all the way around a great deal. The Hendersons are just a tremendous family, and this was one for the little guys. It truly was, not just for, for Parker, but you had Myatt Snyder up there who got a great finish. Yes, he's not with a small team, but it was a great finish for him. Grant Enfinger was up there. Just a good day all around for some guys we don't always talk about. Well, and one that we do who really desperately needed it and just willed a completely gimpy truck gimpy yes you know i mean john hunter nemechek gets what a sixth place with a, a truck that just had no business even finishing anywhere close to that but again it's talladega and you can find places to hide your truck in the draft and you know you just and John Hunter and that team just refused to give up. And it got him through to the next round of the playoffs. Yes, it did. And James, this was a big moment because John Hunter last year had everything possible go wrong in round one. He blew up 10 laps into Talladega and that took him out. It was the inverse this time. Yep. He survived even though he was involved in one of the big wrecks uh, towards the last third of the race. But like Tom said, he willed his way through the last one, managed to avoid everything, ended up sixth and still has a chance with a single-truck team to contend for this championship. What an entertaining, entertaining thought to, to even think about the family team, Nemco, getting into the round of four if they can make that happen. How wild would that be? That being said, we do have problems, Houston, I think, because the last time we were, especially at Martinsville, John Hunter finished 28th. Outside of the race prior in Atlanta where he wrecked out, that's his worst finish of the entire season. So clearly he'll have to step it up a little bit if he wants to have a shot at being one of the four to go race for the title in Homestead. But it's not impossible. It's not impossible, James. And he's been on the ropes a couple times now this year. And he's found a way to make it through. So just when you think, Jacob, that you count John Hunter out, John Hunter gets in. So maybe this year is the year for him to have the good luck when he needs it rather than the bad luck when he needs the good luck. Well, this is very true. And on the flip side of that whole coin, the bad luck was what happened to John Hunter a year ago basically happened to Chase Briscoe, right. Cisco, yep. and eliminated him from a chance to contend for this championship. Chase... Uh, with oil line issues, and they broke a, a O-ring on the motor that just ultimately sent them to the garage area 10 laps down. He was able to finish. The motor wasn't hurt itself, but by that point, the damage was done. And just a shame. You hate to have those little $5 or $0.50 cent parts take you out of it. Uh, it was kind of like Jimmy Johnson at Dover a couple years ago, just one of those bizarre things. 
And uh, we'll get to performance picks later on when I can explain why I'm extremely curmudgeon about the whole weekend. But nonetheless, Chase Briscoe was not in control of his destiny at the end of the race. And that's that's just such a terrible feeling knowing that, you know, there's nothing you can there's nothing you can do. You know, you're watching John Hunter. It's up to him to decide your whether you're making it in the next yeah. round of the playoffs. And that's as a driver to have absolutely no control over what you can do. That's that's not a good feeling. And for Chase, you could kind of tell post race that he was just he was ready to just get out of Alabama. Yes, he was. And Chase Briscoe and Kaz Grala. Kaz was eliminated from the playoffs after a very early crash before the end of stage one that took him completely out of contention. So those two eliminated from the truck series playoffs, they get this weekend off before they get back at it. Martin. However, the Cup and Xfinity fields get going this weekend at Kansas, and it's a very interesting Cisco playoff picture right now because stage points are key again. Right now, Ryan Blaney and Jimmy Johnson scored lots of stage points on a day when guys behind them did not, even though they were caught up in the big one. They, because of their stage points, are above the cut line going into an elimination race this weekend, and I think that's huge. Yeah, and also take into account the fact that Kyle Busch has had the worst two weeks that he's had all season, has to come out here and basically... He's not in a must-win situation, but he's in a probably should win if he wants to move on situation. And we're coming up to Kansas, you know, back to the mile and a half. So, number one, will anyone be able to stop the Martin Truex Jr. machine? Because, you know, it unfortunately for him, it kind of backfired at Talladega. But nonetheless, he was even still up there at Talladega. So despite the fact, oh, he won and he's in, he doesn't have to race the next two weeks. He's still going out there and, win, and like, you well, know, of course. top ten. He was a man with nothing to lose at Talladega. Now we go to Kansas, which is a mile and a half track. Guess who's king at those? Uh-huh. You know, and, and he, he's coming off a wreck. That means he's going to be a little mad. Just a little. <laughs> Just a little. You know, at himself. So he's going to want to go out and kind of turn that around. Well, guess what? We're going to Kansas, Toto, and Truex is going to be there too. So you can count on that 78 being right back up front again. Let's go around the table here. I'll start with Tom, then James, then Cisco. Who out of the playoff drivers that are not guaranteed into the next round yet, who are you circling that has to have a good day if they're going to be in really good position leaving Kansas? Tom, you can start. I'm going to exclude the win in your ends. Okay, the that's fair. Two. Uh, Kyle Busch, no question, and I think he will. I think he'll have a good enough day to get to the next round, but... In fact, I think he, he might just win the race, but he's another one that just had two disasters out of the box in this round. Who would have thought that Kyle Busch with 41 playoff points would be below the cut line exactly. going into an elimination race? I mean, I don't think any of us thought that was feasible, and nope. yet here we are, James. Uh, see, I don't know. I just don't feel like there's a great answer to this question because you could say Bush and you could say Kenseth, who's a point behind Bush, might I add. I don't think we've mentioned his name at all in this show uh and you know yeah you can circle them and say that they should have good days but they probably are going to have good days because they're good at kansas they're good at mile and a half and then you look at the fact that stenhouse and mcmurray are winning your own win yeah like 25 and 30 points back and they pretty much have to win no matter yep. what uh and I, I hate it for stenhouse especially because this was the weekend that everybody had circled yep for him to potentially do something and 
he had a really, really fast car and probably would have been right in the thick of things and he made it to the end, but he didn't make it to the end. So now you've got to go back to the mile and a half where they've been okay, but they haven't been great. Now you have to win. McMurray, though, could be interesting. I have more faith in him to put up a top 10, and if things play out the way they need to, who knows? Maybe he ends up sneaking in by the hair of his chin anyway. Who knows? That could be really interesting to watch, but he's going to need a lot of help, James. I'm just saying. Cisco? Yeah, kind of in the same boat. I mean, it'd be nice to see Jamie, and we talked a little bit about it two weeks ago, the fact that Jamie would have to go back to, like, either 2010-2011 Jamie McMurray or 2002 Jamie McMurray if we're going to see stats like that, I think. But I I got to agree with Tom. It's got to be Kyle Busch yeah. because he's, you know, this is a situation that, keep in mind, this is a situation he was in before, you know, this case yep. where he has to make up a ton of points and we think back to his championship season. So he knows how to get it done. The question is, can that team overcome, you know, this huge point gap and and uh, be able to jump up there, Tom. Remember, too, that this is a team that has made mistakes and Kyle has as well. So when we say he needs to have a good day, we assume he can have a good day because he toiled in there fast a mile and a half. But, you know, the way his luck is running right now, you can't beat yourself. And we've seen that happen before. So if they have a good day and don't beat themselves, I think Kyle makes it through. Yes, and that's going to be what it's going to take. It's going to take perfect execution, which are two words Kyle Busch has talked about all season long. We're going to talk more NASCAR later in the second hour of our show, but we're going to shift gears and around the turn here, bring Steve Ovens on to talk dirt as we kick off the second half of our show. But before we do that, it's halftime, so we're going to take a break, go grab you some popcorn, and settle in because the second half of Motorsports Madness is coming up after this. You're listening to the Performance Motorsports Network, and we will be right back. When do you think of a plumber? Like most people, even if it's an emergency, you can be confident about who will arrive to help you. For quality and reliability, count on someone you can trust. Call on the plumbing services of Hague Quality Water of Maryland. Plumbing doesn't have to be an emergency. We handle all kinds of preventative maintenance, too. Hague Quality Water of Maryland is family-owned here in Annapolis since 1993. For a refreshing choice, call us at 888-84-WATER or visit us online. Here at Lewis Meineke, we're more than just your average car care center. Hey, it's Dave, your neighbor from Lewis Meineke. Whether you need an oil change, brakes, tires, or anything under the hood, we've got you covered. Take advantage of our free check engine light service as well. Yes, free. And don't forget about our free shuttle service. Never stress, we'll take care of the rest. On with life. Give us a call at Lewis Meineke, 302-827-2054. Every 30 minutes, another innocent person is killed due to a drunk driver. My best friend. My brother. My poor grandchild. My sister. My father. My husband. My mom. (laughs) My mommy. Stop these tragedies before they happen. Don't drink and drive. 
Do you love the sound of high-revving motors and the smell of burning rubber? Do you want to get your car sideways right at the ragged edge of control? If you've always wanted to try drifting or learn to improve your drifting skills, Summit Point Motorsports Park, the Mid-Atlantic's premier motorsports facility, has the expert instructors and the specialized track to teach you how to drift and the skills necessary to drift competitively. From skid pad to open sessions, Summit Point Motorsports Park has the safe and open environment that allows drifters of all skill levels, new to intermediate, to get sideways and smoking. With a focus on safety and the skill set necessary to drift competitively, Summit Point Motorsports Park's Drift Nirvana is just the thing for you. Call for your reservation today, 304-725-8444. Or for more information, go online, summitpoint-raceway.com, or you can email them at office at bsrinc.com. Drift Nirvana, getting you sideways the right way. If you own a gun, you have a full-time responsibility. When you aren't using it, be sure it can't get into the hands of curious children, troubled teenagers, a thief, or anyone else who might misuse it. Your family, friends, and neighbors are all counting on you. Remember, always lock it up. For more information on firearm storage safety, visit ncpc.org. This message brought to you by the National Crime Prevention Council, the Bureau of Justice Assistance, and the Ad Council. Hide the kids. It's time to get dirty with the Race Chaser Online crew. Here's your host, Jacob Seelman, with Turn 5 Live's curator of Casa de Porkchop, Stephen Evans. If you're just joining us here on the Performance Motorsports Network, welcome. If you were with us during the first hour, welcome back. To set the stage, you're listening to Motorsports Madness. My name is Jacob Seelman, Managing Editor at RaceChaserOnline.com, where we give you your motorsports your way every day. And we have had a lot of motorsports to talk about over the course of this season, and there's a lot more to worry about here before the season gets over in about a month's time. We are going to talk dirt, and we are going to have Steve Ovens on in just a couple of moments to break some things down with us. But before we do that, Tom, I want to actually start our list of things to talk about here with the fact that it's not as newsworthy to me that Donnie Schatz won another World of Outlaws race, which he did over the weekend at Port Royal Speedway in Pennsylvania. What's newsworthy to me here is the fact that Donnie Schatz is now only two wins away from a major, major milestone, 250 World of Outlaws feature victories. He's sitting on 248 right now. Yeah, it's hard to believe 248 wins in a season. Oh, wait a minute. Uh, but it's, it sure seems like it sometimes. But actually, uh, no, it's a great accomplishment for Donnie. And I mean, look... You think about the legends of the world of outlaws. You think about guys like Steve Kinzer and Sammy Swindell and Doug Wolfgang and drivers like that that are some of the best to ever run that circuit. I think at this point you have to put Donnie Schatz in that category of the greatest drivers ever in the world of outlaws and yet, you look at this season's story, and in a year when every time we think Donnie Schatz is getting cold, he gets hot, and every time we think he's going to stay hot, he gets cold again. You know, you've got guys like David Gravel, who just resigned with his team for another year, 
you know, that are really nipping at his heels here. I just, it's really unbelievable to watch the trajectory of the world of outlaws over the course of the last year or two and the growth of it and the new sponsors and all of that. And yet here's Donnie Schatz somehow still at the top. And somehow we're talking about 250 wins. Yeah, I know. It's amazing to think about when you look back about 20 years worth and he was trying to fight for his first World of Outlaws victory. But you mentioned the guy that made a lot of news over the weekend, Tom, in David Gravel, and the fact that he is re-signed for another season. I yes. think that is a very big deal. And it is. I want to make it a big deal by the fact that we get to talk about it with Dr. Dirt. Steve Ovens now joins us on the Race Chaser Skype line. And Steve-O, I'll get back to Donnie Schatz in a minute. Tom and I were just digressing on the fact that he's so close to 250, but let's talk about David Gravel making some news first because the fact that he and Barry Jackson are going to stay together, this CJB5 team is going to be intact for another year. They won 17 times already this year. This is huge, in my opinion. Oh, it is. It is. And and guys, were were any of you guys surprised to know to to hear this? No, no, not at all. I I mean, I I don't think this is a really big surprise. I think that, you know, I think that just like last season, you know, we're we're looking at this young man and we're saying he is being rewarded for his performance. And you know, I I, I love this. I think, you know. I think it's unfortunate that they're running out of time in 2017. It's not going to happen this year for them. But I I got a lot of confidence in this team next year because, you know, all they need to do is continue what they did this year and just not go through the August and September slump, Tom. Well, if they if they can get rid of that little slump they were on, you know, they're, they would be right in the thick of it right now. Yeah, you've got to avoid the sophomore jinx, too, and that's kind of where I think we're at right now. And I was just sitting here thinking that um, I'm not a Yankees fan, but when the Yankees, whenever a Yankee hits a home run, the announcer says it's another Yankee cranky. I'm just thinking if Shotzi wins, can we start hashtag Shotzi Yahtzee? <laughs> I mean, you know, something fun. But, yeah, yeah I mean, look, you, David is, I think, one of the heir apparents, if you will, one of the guys that you look at and say, all right, Donnie Schatz has pretty much ruled the uh, land in the world of outlaws lately. But certainly Gravel and that team are – just this close and as you said Steve were it not for that little bit of a slump Jacob might be in the championship hunt here and you know at the beginning of the year Steve and I both were excited about the fact that gravel could be an interesting surprise and he has been in a year when there have been several of those in the world of outlaws Oh, there's been several big surprises this year. I think Logan Schuhart winning as many races he has this season has been a pleasant surprise. David Gravel having the year of his career has been a pleasant surprise. The fact that we had a championship within 100 points for most of the year, which we haven't seen in a while, has been a pleasant surprise. But Steve, Donnie winning his 19th race of the season at Port Royal, 
this has started to become a bit of a runaway now. It wasn't the Port Royal race that really inflated the points lead that is now 166 points over Brad Sweet. It was that race two weeks ago in the finale of the National Open at Williams Grove when Donnie finished second to David Gravel, but Brad Sweet ran into issues after contact with his teammate Darren Pittman and finished 19th. That was a massive, massive point swing at a stage in the season where Brad couldn't afford it. And I think at this point, if the, unless Donnie has an epic collapse, I think this championship is all but sealed. Well, he's certainly not having an epic collapse tonight. Because those guys are racing at Ransomville tonight. And, and guys, let me give you the top three in qualifying from tonight. Donnie Schatz, Brad Sweet, David Gravel. Big shot. Those are your top go. three in qualifying. But what wasn't necessarily thought, you know, what, what wasn't predicted tonight, Jacob, and you're going to love this as a stat guy, Donnie Schatz and 28 other of the 32 cars broke the previous track record tonight. Holy Don wow. Wow. The track record by a second and a half. Wow. A second and a half. And Jacob, for a bonus point, can you tell me whose record he broke? Oh gosh, at oh, Ransomville, there's no telling. <laughs> How about Mark Kinzer? Oh, wow. <laughs> So that tells you how, how long that record has stood. That's wow. a little bit before my time, Steve, not to say that I'm a bit of a young duck <laughs> here. but By the way, we should point out, for those who don't know where Ramsonville is, it's in western New York State, one of the historic dirt tracks of western New York State. Yes, very if, historic if track, Steve. I know it's one of your personal favorites. Yes. Oh, it is. If you had two rocks and you were at Ransomville Speedway, you could throw one and hit Canada, and you could throw the other and hit Niagara Falls. Yes. So that, that gives <laughs> yep. you a little indication as to where they are. But, guys, that previous track record, 14.360 seconds. Tonight's track record, 12.629 seconds. Around wow. Speedway. So, yeah, and, and, guys, you know, I'm not, you know, shots, sweet, gravel, your top three, Shane Stewart, their fourth, Tim Schaefer, the top five in qualifying. And and look, guys, I'm not going to hand this race tonight to shots, but he's certainly uh, well on his way here tonight uh, to having himself a great night. Now, you know, Sweet is going to have to, and he's keeping pace, you know, qualified second tonight, but he's got he's to keep pace and, and, you know, to try and have some kind of shot if Donnie has any kind of issue uh, here in the next couple of races. But, you know, Donnie is, has really been the closer here for the last uh, couple of races. You know, you go back to that National Open, finishing in the second spot, and no, it wasn't a win, but, boy, it did him a lot of good in the points because Brad had such a terrible night. I think Weedsport last night would have been interesting uh, had that race not fallen to rain. But there, there again, there's another track. Donnie won at Weedsport last year. Uh, and, and crushed all of the hearts of shark racing fans last year. So, you know, who knows? That, that could have been another W for Donnie, too. But, uh, you know, I, I just I've been impressed with Brad Sweet, Jacob, for the mere fact that he, to me, has been the snake in the weeds this summer. You know, we I had, you know, kind of forgotten about Brad Sweet, even though he had been logging top five and top ten finishes. And then all of a sudden. 
there he was within a hundred points. And, you know, we'll, we'll see how this thing ends up, but you know, even if it's a second place finish this year for, for sweet and third for gravel, still pretty impressive years for them. Gravel with a new deal uh, and, and sweet, you know, I, I think he needs to continue on this, uh, you know, this momentum that they've built here in the second half of 2017. It was a great year for them bringing Napa Auto Parts on board. So, you know, you know, it's not a championship, but there's a lot of positives these guys can take out of it. Yes, there really are. I want to go back to Port Royal and make one more point, Steve, for any fans who are going to perk their ears up at this. But I want to give a call to the man we call Smoke for not only making the A-Main at Port Royal over the weekend, but Tony Stewart finished a very respectable and very competitive 19th in that feature the other night. So how about old Smoke rising again? In You know, Jacob, you look at some of Tony's races, and, you know, isn't Tony a far cry from the struggles that they had when he first got back in the sprint car uh, down in Florida? I mean, oh, yeah. there were there were some struggles right out of the gate. Even though Tony says it, I, I don't know that some fans really take it to heart or, or really think, you know, sit down and think about it. These look at how much the cars have changed and how much Tony has had to relearn. Yep. He's almost had to retrain himself in driving these sprint cars. Yes. And, and I, you know, I don't think you can overstate that in his uh, comeback to sprint car racing. And, you know, it, it will be interesting to see, you know, what he can do next year uh, with with this season under his belt. I mean, he's still got a lot of races yet to go, and uh, we're looking forward to seeing it. And I think it has been that breath of fresh air uh, that not just sprint car racing, but motorsports in general needed. And it's been great to have him on the dirt side, I can tell you that. And Tony Stewart needed it. Yes, absolutely oh, yes. right. Oh, yes. Without question. We're going to step aside, but we got more Dirt Track talk ahead. We'll talk the all-star circuit of champions when we come back. We crowned a champion at Eldora Speedway Saturday night. We'll tell you who. As well as preview a championship battle down to the wire and 100000 bucks to win for the Lucas Oil Late Model Dirt Series. That, after these words, you're listening to Motorsports Madness here on the Performance Motorsports Network. You own a performance car and you know how to drive, but you want to learn real performance driving. Well, Bunky, get that car off the street and onto the track. Summit Point Motorsports Park, the Mid-Atlantic's premier road racing facility, located just over an hour from D.C. in nearby Summit Point, West Virginia, is the place to go. And you'll find that Friday at the track is going to give you what you need. For less than a monthly car payment, you can attend this regularly scheduled one-day instructional event in your street car on one of Summit Point's three world-class road racing circuits. You'll receive classroom instruction, skid pad instruction in their car, including front and rear skid control and four 20-minute in-your-car instructional sessions from a professional instructor. Have fun, go fast, and really learn how to drive. Call 304-725-8444 for class schedules and details. That's 304-725-8444, Friday at the track at Summit Point Motorsports Park. Every 30 minutes, another innocent person is killed due to a drunk driver. My best friend. My brother. My poor grandchild. My sister. My father. My husband. My mom. <laughs> my mommy. We love 
Stop these tragedies before they happen. Don't drink and drive. The Performance Motorsports Network is a compilation of shows about motorsports. From technical to controversial to just fun, everything you like about racing and gearhead stuff is right here on one internet channel. The Performance Motorsports Network. Tell your friends about it. Hi, I'm Reed Sorensen. Racing has been a part of me and my family for as long as I can remember. I had to make tough choices early on to get to the top. It took hard work and dedication, but it's those tough choices that helped me prepare for challenges I would face as a cup driver. Make the right choices today and be ready for the challenges tomorrow. This message is brought to you by the U.S. Air Force. I'm Kaz Grawl, and you're listening to Race Talk on the Performance Motorsports Network. Ah, Kaz Grawl bringing us back from break. Unfortunate, we talked about earlier that he is no longer in championship contention on the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series, but still, I think, going to have a shot to maybe steal another win before the end of this season. Right now, though, talking dirt with Dr. Dirt, our own Stephen Ovens here on the Performance Motorsports Network. Jacob Seelman, Tom Baker, James Pike, Cisco Scaramuza, all with you as well around the roundtable. And Steve-O, I'm going to talk about crowning a champion, and then we'll talk about a couple of championship fights that are going to be just plain nuts going forward into the end of the season. We had three Arctic Cat All-Star sprint car races this weekend. We talked about Tony Stewart before the break. This is his series for those who might not be as well initiated. Pennsylvania posse kid Ryan Smith wins two races in one night at Mansfield Motorsports Park. And then we went to Eldora for my favorite named race of the year, the Sprintacular And Joey Saldana in the Indy Race Parts number 71 goes, Hey, guys, remember me? And wins the 74th All-Stars race of his career while Chad Kemenaw ties Dale Blaney with a sixth All-Stars championship. I want to talk about Ryan Smith first for a minute, Steve, because you know Ryan fairly well. And the season he's had this year, no, it's not a championship, but goodness, this kid has come alive this year, and his performances at different times this year have just, to me, been him coming completely into his own. You know, I, I Jacob, I'm going to look at Ryan Smith as being very similar. You know, they're on different series, but I look at Ryan Smith and David Gravel, and I think both of those drivers took big leaps this year. Uh, Gravel on the outlaw side, but Ryan Smith on the all-star side. Ryan Smith was the show when he uh, won up here at Outlaw Speedway up in my neck of the woods. Just a back-and-forth battle with Sammy Swindell. And to, to hear him get more wins this past weekend, Ryan Smith is a journeyman of 410 sprint car racing. He is not a guy that, you know, rode... Uh, through, you know, dad's team or, or family-run team. Or, you know, Ryan Smith doesn't bring a ton of sponsorship dollars necessarily to a team. Ryan has had to dig and claw, and he has earned every spot in every car he has had. Uh, even back to when he ran for Donnie Kreitz in the 69 car, 
at Williams Grove and in Central PA. I think Ryan Smith is, if, if you're a blue-collar race fan or racer, you look at Ryan Smith and say, you know what, that young man did it the right way. He earned his keep in every single seat that he climbed into. And I hope that what he has done this year will keep him in a competitive ride for years to come. I do believe that it will. And, and I'm just, I'm happy for the young man because he has worked so hard and, and he's just flat earned it on the racetrack. And we love to see stories like that. Yes, we do. We're actually going to talk about another story along that same lines back on the pavement here before this show is over. Actually, uh, Christopher Bell, I guess, would fit in this segment. Again, we'll get to the news on him coming up before the end of this show. But, Steve, next point I want to make, a renaissance of sorts. Joey Saldana, Bernie Stubigan, the Indy Race Parts team. It seems like as soon as Joey and Bernie hooked up, This is a team that I wish had the resources to go Outlaws Racing because they have clicked. Joey's been on a tear, and my goodness, this looks like the Joey Saldana of old. What do you think about this? Is this the pairing that has really breathed new life back into Joey Saldana at a time when we thought maybe it was going to be the end of his career? You know, Jacob, I agree with you, and I wish I could say yes. That's the big question right now, and I think that's what a lot of people up here uh, and, and all across the country, not just in the Northeast, are, are, that's what people are talking about right now. Is there going to be a seat open for Joey Saldana in some, you know, in some series? And, and we may be looking at now is the time that, that Joey is no longer a full-time World of Outlaws driver, you know. Because right now there's there's not a whole lot of seats to be had, and so you know that's that's the thing. I don't know what's going to happen with Joey. I really don't. Um, but a win this past weekend certainly goes a long way. And yes, does it breathe a, a, a sigh of relief and a breath of fresh air for Joey? I'm sure it does. It's got to be a relief to him to to go out and perform that way and say okay, I can still do this. I can still drive a sprint car. And I don't think anybody that has followed Joey's career questions that. The question is, is is there going to be a quality ride and a quality seat open for him? Because, Jacob, I don't see Joey as a guy who just goes and runs a car to run a car. No. It's got to be a quality ride. It's got to be equipment that he can wheel to wins and be in contention, he's not going to ride around in 12th to 20th every night. Oh, uh, no. That's just not going to happen. Not going to happen at all. I mean, Joey goes out to win, and if he can't win, he doesn't want to be out there. We saw that when he took the Knoxville Nationals opportunity with Willie Kane in the 51 car earlier this year. He said going in, that was an opportunity he felt like he could be competitive with, and he was. It was just, unfortunately, bad qualifying draws that ultimately buried him and made it a whole lot tougher. But... The third side of this coin, so to speak, Chad Kemenaw tying Dale Blaney with a six All-Stars title. Steve, I think this is kind of like the whole Donnie Schatz, Sammy Swindell, Steve Kinzer battle at the top of the Outlaws. Schatz has gotten to records we didn't think we'd see even approached again at times, and now here's a record that we didn't think was going to be matched 
in Dale Blaney's championships with the All-Stars. And here's Chad Kemenaw. He's won two in a row and now six for his career. This is big. I, I think it's a lot bigger than people are giving it credit for. Oh, I, I think so. And and maybe I'm stepping out on a limb here, Jacob. But I think the reason for that is Chad Kemenaw isn't the sexy name that Donnie Schatz or Steve Kinzer or Mark Kinzer or uh, Darren Pittman. He's just not he's not necessarily that recognizable name in his sport unless you follow the All-Star Series or unless you're a Chad Kemenaw fan. That's right. Uh, and, and that's it's unfortunate but that's what I see. That's that's what I see is is not only a media, you know, somebody within the media, but also just as a general dirt track racing fan. And you know what, Jacob? Yeah, he's got two in a row. He could have three, four in a row before that streak is done. Oh, and, yeah. and if he if he can do that, he'll then become that name that's synonymous with with four ten sprint cars. And you know. It, it's it's it almost seems not fair that that he's not at that level right now because he should be. He really but, should be, and I think a lot of people forget that his first four All Star titles were consecutive. The early to mid two thousands were the Chad Kemenaw era in the All Stars, and he's done well against the Outlaws too. He's got fifteen or twenty wins against the Outlaws. It's not like he's not done a lot of great things in a four ten sprint car. But I agree. Uh, really with everything you said, Steve, and it's just going to be a matter of seeing what he can do now when we come back with the Hunter Racing team in 2018. Now, I, I, I say really quickly, we've still got a couple of minutes, but of course, the big thing that everybody in New York is buzzing about this weekend is the fact that there is a championship on the line and 100000 bucks for the finale of the Lucas Oil Late Model Dirt Series, and Steve-O, that guy they call T-Mac is leading them into Portsmouth, Ohio. This is going to be a dogfight. It's the closest championship fight between three drivers in the final weekend in the history of this series. And, oh, I don't think it gets any better than the three we've got. And I'll give you my big reason why I think T-Mac closes out this championship. He, out of the three guys that, that we've talked about for the last month, Tim McCready is the guy that will top five you to death. Yes. Josh Richards, Scott Bloomquist, they can sometimes be a checkers or wreckers kind of racer. And and I just think that with a 40-point lead, I would like my chances if I was a betting man and putting money on Tim McCready because he can just go in here, snag a top five, and close out a championship. He's not coming from behind. He's not in a position where he needs to take chances that he wouldn't normally take. So for that reason, I like the 39 car this weekend. And I'm not just saying that as a Northeastern homer, even though it'd be pretty easy to do so. <laughs> I really think that out of those three guys, that's the guy who could just solidly log top fives until the cows come home. And, and I think that's what he does to lock it up this weekend. Both Tom and Steve here. Tom, I'll let you start. Is this a race that Josh Richards basically has to treat as winning is the only option? I think that's a loaded question because I think Josh Richards treats every race as winning is the only option. I don't think he 
really is much of a points racer per se. I think it's it's always win or bust. And, you know, I, I think, yeah, I think he probably does, and I think he will. Steve? I think he wins this weekend. I do. And I think I that that's the only way he can look at it. He's got to win, you know. And and even if he wins, McCready could still finish second. So that's right. the only thing you're in control of this weekend is what you and your team does, and and that only. So the the mission is the same, and, and whatever happens, happens. You're 40 points back. You know, you could look at how many different races this year where, well, we could have done a little better here. We could have done a little better here. Man, 18th two weeks ago, man, we could have done without that. But guess what? You got 18th two weeks ago. And so now it is what it is. You got to go win the race. Yeah, you do, and that race is worth $100,000 Saturday night to whoever reaches the checkered flag. I believe Brandon Shepard was the winner of this race a year ago, which is good news if you're Josh Richards because last year Brandon Shepard's was with Best Performance Motorsports, Steve. So there's that in their corner. That team knows how to win this race. Oh, they do. They do, and... And again, don't be shocked if they do. I, I, they could very well go down there and, and win this for the second year in a row. The question will be who finishes where behind them as to whether they can not only win the battle but win the war. Absolutely right. Steve, always a pleasure to have you on. We will look forward to having you back here on next week's show to break it all down. That's Steve Ovens, and when we come back, we're going to shift to the open-wheel side of life because IndyCar has races for 2018. We'll tell you where and when when we come back. This is Motorsports Madness, and you're listening to the Performance Motorsports Network. Parents, your son or daughter has had their license for a while now, but you want to make sure they're prepared for any situation they may face on the road. High school driver's ed doesn't teach them to drive defensively. They need to be prepared for any highway emergency. For less than a month's insurance, and a whole lot less, BSR instructors at Summit Point Motorsports Park in nearby Summit Point, West Virginia, will teach your son or daughter how to respond instantly and positively to unexpected situations on the road. BSR's specialized accident avoidance training teaches swerve to avoid maneuvers at highway speeds, ocular driving, which focuses driving attention on ways to avoid accidents, vehicle dynamics and feedback, skid control and skid recovery, threshold braking on straights and progressive braking on curves, and off-road recovery techniques. This is stuff driver's ed simply doesn't teach. So call BSR today, 304-725-8444. Give your kid the skill set needed to drive safely and responsibly on the highway. That's 304-725-8444. You hear that? That's the sound of America's only sports car. That's right. It's a Corvette. But not just any Corvette. It's your Corvette. It's that who cares if there's traffic part of your day. And this can be you when you come to Cooper Corvettes. With 60 years of Corvettes to choose from, there's always a Corvette in your budget. And they'll service any Corvette you bring in. Cooper Corvettes on Route 1 just north of Quantico and Triangle. Call, click, or visit coopercorvettes.com. HMS Motorsport is the leader in motorsport safety. HMS serves the majority of Monster Energy NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Camping World truck teams, many IndyCar and IMSA WeatherTech teams, as well as 
as countless SCCA and club level racers and driving enthusiasts throughout North America, featuring world-renowned brands like Stilo Helmets, Shrope Belts, Adidas Suits and Shoes, HJC Helmets, Orca Driver Gear, Lifeline Fire Systems, and even Racecom Radio Kits, HMS representatives are experts in their field and focused on only one thing, making your track driving as safe as possible. With locations in Mooresville, North Carolina and Danvers, Massachusetts, the staff at HMS is always ready to take the time and help you find the right product for your safety needs. Don't settle for a second when it comes to motorsport safety. Stop in HMS Motorsport. Visit them on their website at hmsmotorsport.com or send them a message on Facebook and tell them the folks from PMN Radio sent you. Hi, this is John Androsik of Five for Fighting, here for RAD the entertainment industry's voice for road safety. You know, style is a personal thing, and your lifestyle is your business. But if you take it on the road, it becomes everybody's business. So please, plan ahead, designate before you celebrate. Friends, don't let friends drive drunk. A public service announcement brought to you by RAD, the National Association of Broadcasters, and the Ad Council. Let's throw the green for Open Wheel Central on Motorsports Madness. Now back to the roundtable and Jacob Seelman. Hey, that's me. Welcome back to the Madness here on the Performance Motorsports Network. Jacob Seelman, Tom Baker, James Pike, Cisco Scaramuza with you. Talking racing here on the Performance Motorsports Network. And right now, going to talk, Cisco, about what you've taken to calling your adopted series, the Verizon IndyCar Series, and we have a schedule. For 2018, we're going to Portland. We're going to Portland. I know you're so excited. But Beyond, we're not going to Watkins Glen. I know. Sad face. Why can't we have both? We just can't have all the we're nice greedy. things. We only get some of them. Anyway, other than Portland, the rest of the schedule is virtually identical to what it was in 2017, which is great for fans, great for tracks. But yes, Cisco, we're going to Portland. How big is this, not only for IndyCar, but for the Pacific Northwest, which back in the day put on some of the greatest open-wheel races in the history of this championship? Absolutely, and Portland is a fantastic track, and I was joking with you a little bit over the weekend because outside of SCCA and the occasional NHRA event up there, the last time Portland was relevant, at least to my knowledge, was Need for Speed Pro Street. So go figure, but nonetheless, a fantastic facility. They've kept it up to date. I love the track there. It's really, it's a really great combination. And it's also one of the few tracks that has the drag strip on the straightaway, which is just cool. So yes, I'm not going to lie. That's it, cool. But no, it's just an awesome deal, Jacob. And like you said, the majority of the schedule is still the same. And, you know, we still have the month of May here in Indy. So I'm always looking forward to that. That's a lot of fun. Yes, Cisco in Indy and the month of May is all wonderful things. Tom, how big is this for in your eyes to see the IndyCar Series go back to Portland? I mean, stop and remember. Go back in your IndyCar history books a little bit. 1997, Portland International Raceway put on the closest finish in the history of the Verizon IndyCar Series on a road or street course and it was, I think, 55 one-thousandths of a second between the front three cars that came across the start-finish line, virtually three wide in a race won by Mark Blundell. I mean, this track has had its fair share of excitement, so I love that it's back on the schedule. I just hate that it was at the expense of the Glen, man. 
Yeah. I mean, also the only race in history to be won by a guy named Blundell. This is true. Um, I don't know. I I have mixed feelings about this. Love Portland. And I think it's great they're going back there. I just hate losing the Glen, and I really can't believe, honestly, that IndyCar and the Glen, with all the open dates that don't have an IndyCar race, IndyCar and the Glen couldn't have worked out a suitable date to continue and have both because we all know IndyCar doesn't run enough races now. But remember, Tom, and this is the point I made to somebody over the weekend, it's not just about the dates that don't have an IndyCar race. Watkins Glen runs a whole lot more than just IndyCar at the track during the season. It has to be a date that works for the Glen, too, and they could not find something that was reasonable in their schedule. From what I heard, the only potential dates that might have worked were really too close to their NASCAR weekend to be able to put up the right promotion, and they were very worried that that would adversely affect the fan count, which this year was already bad enough as it is. Yeah, it's just really too bad because, you know, the Glen is such a traditional course and you know i just think it's sad that we couldn't have worked something out indycar could have dumped one of their useless street courses or something and moved some things around i mean i i just think there had to be something that you do to keep Watkins glenn on your schedule but you know hopefully it'll come back in the near future and for portland it's a great return and i hope that it goes better than the phoenix return did because Obviously, we've had some rather disappointing races at Phoenix since they've come back. And so hopefully Portland picks up where it left off with uh, some close racing. I mean, you know, you'd like to think that maybe this could be a race that stays for a little while. Well, there's a three-year contract, so we know it's going to be around at least through 2020. Good. Well, you know, I mean, that's I'm happy for Portland, very disappointed for my home area of the Glen, because I just again, I, I, I refuse to believe that if it was that important to both of them, they couldn't have figured something. But um, I guess that's how it is. So we'll uh, see how it works out next year. And hopefully Portland becomes a good race. James, to you. The new arrow kits for 2018, Tom referenced it needs to be a good race. I think it's going to be a great race because you're talking about Indy cars that are going to drive more like what the kart cars did back in the late 90s and early 2000s when we were at Portland regularly. Fasten your seatbelts because this is going to be good. Jacob Seelman is good at math, and I agree with his math, and I will leave it at that. Okay. I hope you're right. I mean, that's I, I'm optimistic because of the new kits, but, you know, I hope you're right because that's IndyCar desperately needed that, and I'm glad that we're going to finally get it. I'll actually add to that one other point. that At least for one or two of these three years, this race has got to be a success, even if the racing isn't good by the sheer geography of it all. There is zero presence among any of the major motorsports series in the United States outside of the NHRA when they go up to Seattle. So to have this and to have another race back up there it's for a good them, point, James. We, we won't, I mean, I, I don't think it's we recognize point. how big that is 
for you know us since we get them in North Carolina all the time. Of course, IndyCar only comes to Alabama, but besides the point. But you know, for them out there, when they barely get anything outside of what you see at your All American Series tracks, this is huge. It is. I think the only other major motorsports event that I can even think of in that area is the Monster Energy Supercross race that they have up there at uh, Seattle. But beyond that, James, you're right. This is going to be fun for Portland. I think the other nugget, Cisco, that kind of went mostly unnoticed is the fact that Phoenix returns to the first weekend in April and sets up a Long Beach Phoenix kind of West Coast swing to start the year, and then you've got the Portland-Sonoma West Coast swing to end the year. So you kind of get your geography going here and pack in some uh, really sensible travel for your teams, and I know that helps a lot too. Yeah, it does. And, uh, uh, and of course, with Phoenix, of course, they're going through the name change as well, so it is ISM, ISM Raceway, Raceway yeah. Anymore, which is, I'm, uh, we're, how many times we're going to have to have a jar when that comes up next year of how many times <laughs> we're going to say that? I'm still uh-huh. calling it Phoenix. I'm a rebel. Yeah. They, they, they'll get no free publicity from me. Nope. Nope. Sorry. <laughs> All right. Final point that I want to make here, and James, I'll let you eat this one, chew on it, because you're overseas and it's not overseas but it's at least out of the country still mark miles is optimistic that mexico city the hermanos rodriguez road course that nascar used to run on and formula one currently runs the mexican grand prix on still optimistic that that's going to be added on the schedule between the uh, mid ohio and pocono dates do you think it actually happens Oh, man. Um, can I say 50-50? Yeah, that's fair. I, honestly, because you just you never know with these international promoters. And IndyCar's had so much trouble in the past getting a consistent date nailed down outside the United States, which I think says a lot about where the races probably should be. But Yeah, we'll see. Ask Tom about uh, that. Yeah, I know. Tom's gone off about that. We're not going to have him start the discussion here, but I agree. Probably would be best to keep most of them in the States, but Canada and Mexico, I can understand the case for, and I don't think that's terrible. So no. I think it'd probably be good to make that happen. We just don't need to see IndyCar expand outside of those three. All I've got to say is two words, Carlos Slim, and I'll leave it at that as far as people that want to make a Mexican date for IndyCar happen in 2018 or even if it doesn't happen in 2018 sometime in the very near future we're going to go to break when we come back we have performance picks we have cisco in the bottom of a barrel again sorry kid we you you tried and failed and we've also got a lightning round too that we will get to because we've had some news items over the last couple days including one breaking bit of news today that we'll talk about when we come back you're listening to motorsports madness the white flag after this on the performance motorsports network how to be a great dad in 15 seconds bike ride go fish walk in the park phone call milkshake play catch picnic fly a kite tell jokes laugh talk read a story tell a story bumper car swing set bowling pillow fight cut loose stay tight because the smallest moments can have the biggest impact on a child's life take time to be a dad today Call 877-4DAD-411 or visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. 
automotive technicians, and auto service trainees. How would you like to work at the beach and perform for one of the best car care centers in the nation? Lewis Meineke is now looking for skilled automotive technicians to join their award-winning team. If you're a gearhead that knows his or her stuff or a young up-and-comer that has the motivation and drive to succeed, then you need to make this call today, 302-827-2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center, located in beautiful Lewis, Delaware, offers a highly competitive compensation plan, great benefits, a flexible schedule, and did we mention that you're going to be working at the beach? Plus, there's a signing bonus for the right candidates. Technicians must be ASE certified and have a minimum of six years' experience. Beginners advance at your own pace in one of several entry-level positions. But whatever you do, don't wait. These jobs will go fast. Call Tim at 302-827-2054. That's 302-827-2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center. Rev up your career. You hear that? That's the sound of America's only sports car. That's right. It's a Corvette. But not just any Corvette. It's your Corvette. It's that who cares if there's traffic part of your day. And this can be you when you come to Cooper Corvettes. With 60 years of Corvettes to choose from, there's always a Corvette in your budget. And they'll service any Corvette you bring in. Cooper Corvettes. On Route 1 just north of Quantico and Triangle. Call, click, or visit coopercorvettes.com. How to deal with someone who says that's so gay. Outsmart them. This party is, like, so gay. Totally. Excuse me, but did you ladies know the word gay used to mean happy or excited? Then it became a word used to describe gay people. Then somehow it came to mean dumb or stupid, which is how you just used it, which is not very nice. Ew, that guy is on the football team and super smart, and he totally hates us now. Totally. When you say that's so gay, do you realize what you say? Knock it off. Learn more at thinkbeforeyouspeak.com. Hi, I'm Cole Custer, and you're listening to the Performance Motorsports Network, the voice of motorsports. Hey, there's a guy we've had in here a few times this year, Cole yeah. Custer, bringing us back from break, and he'll get back to work in the NASCAR Xfinity Series playoffs this weekend at Kansas Speedway. He is much still alive in the hunt for the 2017 championship, which is a good thing because he may be involved in what we're about to do with our performance picks. And Cisco, look at you. Oh, for three the last three weeks. Yeah, you're just you're just not good at this. I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, the last two weeks couldn't have been any more worse for me. I have no idea how, but apparently Karma's decided to just destroy me so you crashed and you crashed that's how talladega went (laughs) yeah yeah essentially so not not a great week for me but we're heading to kansas now and because i'm picking first that means i get to steal away the steal away the obvious picks hang on by by the way just to add to this we also have the united states grand prix this weekend oh at coda okay well i know uh okay rent isn't here to get on his put on his tinfoil hat so uh yeah we can we can talk a little bit about that but as far as kansas goes for the cup race mtj i'm just the 78 on a mile and a half you can't stop him you can't stop him okay and how about the xfinity race the xfinity race can i pick a brand and not a driver so hopefully i may have a shot or am i not allowed to do that no that's not allowed team? that's not in the rules i'm sorry <laughs> can i just pick jgr and win <laughs> <laughs> i i don't think it's gonna work that way to be completely honest with you but you still can't nice uh, try okay in that case i'm gonna go with the 19 matt tift 
Wow. That's not the JGR driver I would have expected. Interesting. Um, F1, by the way, Cisco, before F1, you forget. F1, by the way. F1 at the United States Grand Prix. Well, who's the guy who has absolutely dominated there just in general? Has Lewis. been that driver of Lewis Hamilton. He's won the last three there. Vettel only got him once. So, Hamilton. Ding. Yep. Yep. That's exactly where I'm going with my F1 pick, just to go ahead and tip that off, because I 100% agree with Cisco in that Lewis Hamilton is going to continue to do Lewis Hamilton things in the United States this weekend. As far as the Xfinity race, I referenced it a minute ago when he brought us back from break. I stand with it. I'm going to do it. I say irregular wins, and I say Cole Custer goes to victory lane in the Kansas Lottery 300. As far as the cup race, hmm. Cisco, you did good with the manufacturer, but you have the wrong driver and team. You're picking him? I'm picking the guy who's mad because he got wrecked. And when he's mad, he usually wins. Kyle Busch to win at Kansas. Because he used up all his bad luck at Kansas for the last few years, and he's finally good there. So... That's kind you of my that. logic. I mean, keep in mind, I am 0 for 3, so... You are There's plenty of bad 3. luck to go around. <laughs> uh, like I said, you had the right manufacturer, just the wrong guy. Uh, Pike? Well, 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 my turn now. Shout out to the lack of an Xfinity entry list being yeah, out there to make exactly. this a little bit easier. So, uh, in the advent of that, and Just to throw this I've... out there, as far as I know, Ryan Blaney in the 22, Eric Jones in the 20, Suarez in the 18, and I think Reddick in the 42. I am in the mood for a good points day. Maybe not necessarily a win, but a good points day. So Elliot Sadler will probably not win, but also probably not cost me too many points. Fair enough. And then... Everything that you said, re Kyle Bush applies. Also, let's add to that the fact that I think that when they don't beat themselves, they're actually faster than the 78 team. They've just been really good at beating themselves this year. But in the moments where they put races together, they've won every single one of them. So uh, this is another one of those races. This is another one of those cases. This is another one of those pissed-off Kyle Busch becomes happy Kyle Busch because he wins his way into the round of eight. Okay. And then why should it be anything other than five for six, save for a freak Malaysia-esque engine Because Rents has a tinfoil hat, that's why. And he, he maintains that Vettel still has a chance. I don't believe him, but... Heck no. Okay. Okay, Patrick. That's fine. Hamilton wins, and everybody wears cowboy hats because they just love American stereotypes. Something they do it over like here, too. You'd be surprised. Tom? Okay, I'll make this real simple here. Kansas Xfinity. William Byron. Hey. 400. Kansas Cup. Everybody's picking Kyle Busch. Except Cisco, who picked Martin Truex. <clears throat> yeah, and I believe what I see. So, therefore, I'm picking Martin Truex. <laughs> And then, what, Formula One, I yes. guess, is my Here, other one? Here, in Austin, Texas. Um, well, yeah. is anybody else racing besides Lewis Hamilton? Uh, I don't think anybody else has raced besides Lewis Hamilton at Coda yeah, since they did the thing. I, I think uh, I think I'll take Lewis for that one because I like winning. 
So that's how we'll that's how we'll do that. We all like winning. Since Tom picked Martin Truex, it allows us to get into our lightning round now. And the first topic of discussion is the fact that over the weekend, Furniture Row Racing announced that the 78 car, for the first time in the team's history, is going to be fully sponsored for 2018 with the primary 78 car. Bass Pro Shops and 5-Hour Energy are going to co-sponsor the 78 for 30 races, kind of a la Monster Energy and Haas Automation, what they've done with the 41 car this year for Kurt Busch. And the other six races are going to be the blue car auto owner's insurance. So we'll go around the table. Tom James Cisco in that order for this lightning round. How big is this for Furniture Row to have the main car fully funded? Well, I mean, in the sense that it isn't going to cost Barney Visser anything out of his own pocket. It's huge. I don't think it's going to matter a whit for the performance. My goodness, how much better of a performance could you get than you've had this year up to this point? I don't think it's going to stop anytime soon. So I think they walk off with a championship, in fact. So, you know, I think it's big for Barney Visser. I don't think it makes any difference to the performance of the team. Cisco? Uh, Re what Tom just said. He basically took the words right out of my mouth. Yeah, no, the... 78 has been fast. It's going to continue to be fast. And this just means Barney Visser has more money that he can throw at making the car even more fast. So, well, there you go. James, anything to add? Welcome to a world in which grandfather clauses give us sponsorships. The question is whether or not we get a really silly lawsuit between Monster Energy and Five Hour Energy that either kills us off or something else, you know? Nope, I think we're good. Second Yay, bullet. grandfather clauses. Yay. <laughs> All right, second point here. Christopher Bell to the Xfinity Series. How many races does he win next year, Tom? Wow. Let's say eight. <laughs> Whoa. Wow. Okay, Cisco. Is this like the price is right where if you go over, then you bust? Yeah. Not necessarily, but sure, why not? <laughs> you, I'm take one, so I'm, no, you've been busted we'll for three <laughs> weeks. <so. laughs> Two or three. James? Man, I really wish one of his race cars could be mine if the price is right. Shoot, you know what I'm thinking about it. But, nah, Drew Carey would probably say four five and i think he'd say five so give me five <laughs> well for me i grew up watching bob barker on the prices right too. so i'm gonna have a barker i know reference i here. know but wait 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 help wait, control the, pop- the population the have your pet speaker new let's put there his you. car on the showcase yes that's yes how we well i think chris bell in the showcase is going to end up with a grand total of two wins next season That's only Come on. only because I think cup regulars are going to manage to steal a lot of the ones that he probably should win because cup regulars. Remember, they're only allowed five each. Se- uh, no, seven. seven. Yeah. Five is trucks. Seven. Yeah. So I'll pick three, then to one-up Jacob and make sure that uh, if, if if you guys uh, mess it up, then I'll be ahead of him. And then technically, by a rule standpoint, I win. Yay. Uh, <laughs> well, whatever. Can- anyway, we are excited that Chris Bell's driving full-time for JGR next year. I think we all knew that was coming, Tom, but that's a big deal. It is a big deal, but I want to sneak in something else right quick because I I just was reading an article about Front Row Motorsports that, that indicates that Landon Castle's release from Front Row is but 
a speck of what could be coming. Yes, they may be completely overhauling that team. Jerry Freeze has been very vocal yes. about the fact that they're trying to make big changes going into 2018. I don't think any of us know what that team is going to look like. All we know right now is that they're probably going to be running two teams again and leasing out a different charter than the one they used this year to TriStar. It sounds like that arrangement is going to happen again they'll take back the charter from tristar and lease a different charter to tristar and for I 2018 point out real fast that kurt bush has gone to an underperforming team on the rise before and carried it forward and he's not been resigned at Stuart haas so i'm Whoa. just throwing <laughs> that out there that that's a big limb. You know, Freeze isn't discounting anything. There, Bob no. Jenkins seems to be serious. That's a big limb. Cisco, big limb. I want to let you make a point here very quickly that iRacing and Red Bull Global Rallycross is now a thing. Yes, that's now a thing. And to go along with that, the Global Rallycross season, the Red Bull Global Rallycross season just came to its end. Scott Speed got the championship in that. And uh, is uh, his teammate Tanner Faust over at Andretti. He got second place. Steve Arpin got third in that. Then over in GRC Lights, Cyril Raymond in the Oldsburg's car made it happen. So pretty good. So awesome job for those guys. They finished up just yesterday, had their award ceremony. So congrats to everybody involved in there. And yep, hey, uh, yeah, no. If you want to, if you want a great video, go watch Scott Speed introducing GRC to iRacing. That's a that's a fancy video right there. Yeah. So by the way, I believe that was Scott Speed's third consecutive Red Bull Global Rallycross Championship yes, as well. Hey, I can do math sometimes. Final bullet point that I can think of in the news column, Tom. Big news, not on the racetrack for Dale Earnhardt Jr. As of today, he and wife Amy announced they're having a baby. And as of today, the whole NASCAR fandom is going to look upon this next nine months as if a princess is being born. This, well, this will be the big news social media thing for the next nine months is the baby watch. This is very true. Now, James, the question that I have is, is Aunt Kelly going to teach the little baby girl Earnhardt how to drive better than Dale Jr. Because everybody always says Kelly was the best of the three siblings. Um, it's certainly possible. All I can think about is the fact that that new baby has a really, really sweet pair of Converse's. If you saw <laughs> social media, I, yeah. if I were, I don't know if pink is necessarily my color, but if it were, I'd wear those every day of the week if I could. Yeah, not going to lie. They did a good job picking out the shoes. Tom, I, I know you said princess. So does that mean when the baby's born, we're going to have Princess Earnhardt? Yeah, Is well, that how this I don't works? know if it's going to be a name, but it's going to be a coronation for sure. <laughs> you know, no, I mean, I'll tell you what, I want the full-on Prince Ali sequence from Aladdin for this child. <laughs> you know, like 20 minutes of like elephants and drafts and whatever brigand steering wheels and go-karts and yeah, seats I was gonna say, and whatever it's not gonna be elephants it's gonna be chevy small blocks and can we find a way to bring robin williams back please yes please <laughs> listen i'm not trying to make light of this or anything just having a little fun with the overreaction to this i'm yeah. happy for dale and his wife and and i think that you know this is going to be great for him the timing couldn't be better actually 
No, that's exactly right, and I think that's part of the reason why they waited till now to announce it. You can yeah. read between the lines on social media, but I believe this is as good a time as any for us to throw a checkered flag and get out of here because we're just on the verge of devolving into madness, which is, well, why we call this thing madness. So for Tom Baker, Cisco Scaramuza, James Pike, all the rest of our staff, I'm Jacob Seelman saying thank you to our social media partners, Mike Garrity, Megan Kolb, and Three Wide Life, as well as Bob Steele, Susan Mason, and all the staff, the performance. Motorsports Network that make this show possible. So, until next week when we're back here on PMN to do it all over again, keep it off the wall, and we might just see you at the racetrack somewhere. Folks, till we meet again. You've been listening to Motorsports Madness with the Race Chaser Online crew. Stay tuned to Performance Motorsports Network for more race talk. For the latest motorsports news, visit racechaseronline.com. Motorsports Madness is a copyrighted production of the Performance Motorsports Network, www.performancemotorsportsnetwork.com. A member of the Scorpion Radio Group Incorporated and may not be rebroadcast, replicated, or saved in any media without the explicit written permission of PMN. Check out our Facebook page or our section in the PMN website. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the host, co-hosts, and guests and do not necessarily reflect those of the management and ownership of either the Performance Motorsports Network or Scorpion Radio Group Incorporated, the advertisers, or the marketing partners. Be listening again next week when the madness returns on Monday night at 7 Eastern. Until then, keep it off the wall and keep the shiny side up.